Everyone, welcome into the BT Powerhouse podcast. It is Monday, December 19th. My name is Thomas Bendit. As always, I am your host of the BT Powerhouse podcast, and we are returning for podcast number 88. Uh, We're going to be recapping some of the action of the last weekend, um, specifically the Crossroads Classic and and some of the the upsets uh, that that took down some of the Big Ten uh, teams last weekend. But uh, this will be a solo podcast. I'm I'm rolling solo tonight, Um, so it won't be as long as some of the other ones most likely. But but we do do have plenty to talk about um, from top to bottom. And, you know, what I want to start doing is we're going to start having sort of segments here uh, for for the podcast. And kind of how I want to start it is, what we're going to do is, you know, whatever is the biggest topic is going to be first thing off the bat, um, you know, coming into, you know, the day of the podcast, obviously. Um, and then we're going to, we're going to work through our segments. We're going to do top, uh, middle and bottom of the big 10. Um, and then we're going to wrap up with a couple thoughts on sort of the, the college basketball national landscape. So let's start with the, the big topic here tonight. Um, and really there are two, uh, big topics here and that the first one being the crossroads classic um, and the second one being Michigan State's upset um, I know I mentioned these <laughs> at the beginning but uh, but let, let's start with the crossroads classic here and you know for those who may have just tuned out of things I, I would assume most people listening to this podcast know what the crossroads classic is but um, you know just for, for sake of uh, <laughs> um, inclusiveness here, um, the Crossroad, Crossroads Classic, excuse me, is a, a neutral site event um, in Indianapolis that features Indiana, Purdue, Butler, and Notre Dame. So it's the four biggest teams in Indiana, generally speaking. You know, obviously, there are up and down years, but generally, those are the four biggest programs in the state of Indiana. And um, the two Big Ten teams match up against Butler and Notre Dame. And they rotate each year. So Indiana faced Butler this year. Purdue faced Notre Dame. They'll rotate next year, um, you know, et cetera, et cetera. And, and it's ongoing. But so it's a huge non-conference event. Um, how I, you know, just as a personal standpoint, kind of view the non-conference season for the Big Ten is, you know, I view the first weekend, which is always a blast. You know, you get the uh, the Champions Classic. You get all these great neutral site games. You know, you got Indiana, Kansas this year. Um all, all of that stuff on the first weekend, then it kind of fizzles out. Um, and then you resume with the Big Ten ACC Challenge. It sort of fizzles out again. Um, and then you get this last weekend of great non-conference games. Now, there are more non-conference games, you know, in the, the weeks and months ahead. Um, but this, for all general purposes, this last weekend was the last big non-conference weekend. Um, you know, if you've taken a gander at the Big Ten schedule this week, it's frankly, pretty terrible. Um, and it, it's understandable, you know, Christmas is, is this weekend. Uh, teams are on breaks. They don't want to schedule a big games, especially with the students out of town. But but nonetheless, um, so last weekend is kind of the last hurrah, so to speak, of the non-conference season for the Big Ten. Um, and the Crossroads Classic is the crown jewel of that last weekend. Um, and, and I really do enjoy it. Um, and, and you know, ultimately, it was sort of a, a mix for the Big Ten. Purdue comes away with the uh, um, big win, and uh, Indiana falls short against Butler. Um, as far as big picture uh, type of information, 
that Purdue win was huge. You know, the Boilermakers have been really good all year. You know, Ken Palma has them 12th uh, in the country. They're ranked, I want to say, in the top 15 or, or right near it. Um, you have, uh, you know, they, they wrecked Auburn. They wrecked Utah State. Um, really, they've been great, except they haven't been able to beat the top of the top. And specifically in those games against Villanova and Louisville, they came a little bit short. Um, and, and that's a big uh, limitation for a team like Purdue that is, you know, in all seriousness, competing for a, a one or a two seed. Um, you know, as a one out of reach, probably they're not going to get a one. Um, but they're definitely in play for a two seed or at least in the conversation at this point. Do I think they'll end up with one? No, I, I really don't believe so. But um, you have to think they're somewhere in that realm of, you know, the higher up seeds. Um, at least that's the goal, you should say, I guess. And they needed a marquee win in non-conference play to get in that conversation. And, you know, they got one against Notre Dame. It, it was a tight battle. Um, but Purdue had a, a great second half comeback, um, you know, led in, in large part to Caleb Swanigan, who was just outstanding. Um, he's been, in my opinion, he, he's been the Big Ten player of the year. You know, they had uh, their game earlier tonight, which they just wrecked Western Illinois in large part, again, thanks to, uh, to Caleb Swanigan. Um, but it'll be interesting to watch, watch as, as things progress for Purdue in the, the coming weeks um, and months. But that was a huge win for their resume. You know, now they got a few uh, quality wins here and one to really hang their hat on in non-conference play. And um, as I mentioned, you know, they beat Western Illinois tonight by 32 and they get Norfolk State on Wednesday. Um, and then, you know, they're off until after Christmas when they resume against Iowa at home um, in what looks like a uh, a very intriguing stretch. You know, Purdue should absolutely be able to pad the old record here. You know, they're favored in just about every game until early February. So um, big stretch for Purdue. Um, and it'll be really interesting. Um, what uh, January 8th, they get to face Wisconsin at home in what should be an absolute battle. Um, really looking forward to that game and, and really looking forward to a lot of these games. But um, So that's Purdue. They score a huge win. Um, on the other side, Indiana falls short against Butler. Pretty, pretty competitive game, generally speaking. And when I say that, um, Indiana got behind early, uh, but they did come back. Um, ultimately, it's an 83-78 final. Um, was Indiana really in play to win the game late? No. But I, I think they – pretty much held serve with Butler. They just didn't, they really, that initial blast uh, kind of held them back and specifically towards the tail end of the, the, the first half. But uh, you do wonder, you know, OG and OB, that was his first game back from injury. Um, he, he's been kind of in and out so far this season. And you do wonder if he had been sort of in rhythm at full go, if they would have been able to pull out the win over Butler. It, it's hard to say for sure. But, uh, you know, I certainly think you can make an argument that Indiana would have won the game had he been 100%. But, of course, you know, that's just a theoretical statement. We know in reality Indiana fell short. They're 8-2 and two sitting here with uh, – they're up on – they're playing Delaware State right now. Um, for those who are, you know, super intrigued by that game, sorry. Uh, we're not going to have a lot of analysis on that one. Um, Indiana should throttle them. They're up by eight right now. And uh, they get a another 
lackluster game against Austin P uh, later this week, which should be again, another win. Um, so that'll, that'll definitely be interesting to, uh, to see if they can avoid what I consistently refer to as the danger week of the college basketball season, which is the Christmas week here. Um, everybody plays the worst of the worst. And not only that, but, you know, the fans aren't excited. The arenas are empty and uh, the players are certainly looking forward to going home. So, I mean, it's a, uh, it's a dangerous time. This is the, and not only because upsets happen this week, but because they're, as I mentioned, because everybody's playing the bottom of the barrel, the losses are just devastating if you do let them happen. Um, you know, to put that in context, the worst team, um, you know, Indiana has played a pretty weak overall schedule. They have three really, really good teams and then a lot of meh <laughs> competition at best, pretty awful. Um, two of their weakest games are both this week. You know, they're favored by – they have 99% odds in both games. They should both be wins. Um, so that'll be it, – it'll be interesting to watch. But I do think uh, um, uh, Indiana will, will soar through these two games, as I mentioned, enter Big Ten play at 10-2, and two, um, where they'll get Nebraska um, on the 28th at home, and then they'll take on Louisville in that much-anticipated New Year's Eve matchup um really looking forward to that one but definitely uh i i think it's fair to say you know indiana's in good shape i think purdue's in good shape as well the two of the top contenders so i i would say that's the big thing of uh um of the crossroads classic there but uh as far as the other topic though goes though um we do have another one of our writers jumping on here uh casey um casey how's it going Good man, how you been? Uh, doing well, doing well. Excited to have you on. Excited to chat about some uh, some Big Ten hoops here. Um, so we, I, I was jumping into the Crossroads Classic there. Uh, any any thoughts to share with us on that before we move on? Uh, well, the whole idea of it is pretty cool. Uh, they're starting to do that a little bit more now. The uh, with Iowa having that Big Four with Drake, Iowa State, Iowa, and. Uh, can't remember the other team, but yeah, it's a real cool idea. I'm happy to do it. Yeah, I I have been advocating for a while that I would love the state of Michigan to do that. Um, obviously, I, I don't think who, it's as good. Oh, go ahead. Who, who would you put in there? Michigan, Michigan State. Yeah, I, in I think your opinion. Michigan, yeah, Michigan, Michigan State are the obvious choices. You know, the two Big Ten teams. Um, and then I I think uh, you would what I would do if I was organizing the event is I would put Oakland in there who is consistently a great program. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, a great them, <laughs> and then I would, uh, I would rotate the last spot for whoever finishes higher in RPI the previous season and let central and Western and Eastern and Detroit battle it out for the last spot. Um, I think you would get a lot of interest. I think you'd get some great games. Um, I don't know. I doubt it'll ever happen, but uh, I, I've been well, write a letter, man. That sounds like a good idea. <laughs> Yeah, I, I think the state of Michigan would be a great place to do it. I think the state of Ohio, um, you know, certainly with Cincy, Xavier, Ohio State, you know, there's more than enough. You know, Toledo, there's more than enough teams to, to do it there. But um, we'll see. We'll see. But uh, but let, let's jump into the other big topic here before 
um, of our first segment, and and that's Michigan State. They go down to Northeastern last Ooh. night. They dropped a seven and five overall on the season. Um, Casey, what'd you make of the loss? Uh, I thought unacceptable was the first thing that uh, that came to my mind. Northeastern is by no means a, a, a big time mid major school. They have like six or seven wins only. They're uh, you know haven't been a even in recent memory anything to write home about. Yeah, I I'm I'm surprised. I I can't believe that uh it happened and it's kind of been getting to this point. They they haven't been uh very good this year. They've lost the big teams. Um I think it's been gradually getting to this point and I think now everybody sees that they they aren't the Michigan State that we're normally used to seeing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm I'm with you. I, I think, you know, not to pat myself on the back too much, but I've been talking about this game for a while. I've been talking about next Wednesday, which coincidentally Michigan State's playing Oakland. Um, but I – Upset alert. Michigan, <laughs> Michigan State, yeah, they, um, they've been playing down to opponents, you know, and especially once Miles Bridges went out with injury, um, they just have not looked good. Uh, you know, Oral Roberts pushed them. Um, Tennessee Tech what kept it close enough, you know, and I, I got a little pushback from Spartan fans when I said that Tennessee Tech pushed them because, you know, Michigan State never really was in position to lose the game. But when you're at home facing Tennessee Tech, who's 280th on Ken Palm, I'm sorry, you better be winning by more than 10 points if you're Michigan State. And <laughs> um, it, it's just something you can't do. I mean, and even going back to the Florida Gulf Coast game where – Arguably, they would have lost the game if the refs hadn't screwed it up. Um, Michigan State has been pretty fortunate to avoid an upset so far, and I, I thought this one was coming. We'll, we'll see if they can avoid it against Oakland. But, um, yeah, I, I actually wrote about this for BT Powerhouse uh, earlier this morning, um, if anyone wants to check it out. But, uh, yeah, my first point was do not let the media or the fans spin you on this. It's a bad loss. It's going to hurt Michigan State's resume. Um, and it could very well be the thing that holds them out of the tournament on Selection Sunday. We'll see if it ultimately gets to that scenario. But um, do not, like, don't listen to people who are trying to contextualize this or put it in its proper place or whatever. It's a bad loss. Um, and the thing is, is this is a very, very scary time if you're a Spartan fan because um, half of Michigan State's uh, you know, if you're a believer in Ken Palm, which I always talk about this, but I generally like Ken Palm. I think they do a great job. Um, Michigan State is favored in 10 remaining games. Now, I do think the, the stats are a little bit flawed on Michigan State. I think they'll probably end up being favored in more games, but they're favored in 10 games the rest of the year. Five of those are in the next six games, which means if you do not take care of business in this next stretch, this season can go off the rails like really quickly. Um, and, and if Miles, even if Miles Bridges comes back after that, um, you know, it, it, it's too much ground to make up for. So I, I think if you're a Spartan fan, um, you got to be in damage control mode. You got to survive these games and uh, you got to take care of business at home. So it'll be an interesting stretch for Michigan state. Um, They've obviously taken a big step back. And uh, I, I think the Northeastern game was, was just an example of that. But uh Casey, what, what do you think has gone wrong for the Spartans? You know, obviously they haven't played as well, but uh, what 
what to you has held them back as so much this year? Uh, I think that they always get a li- they kind of like grandfathered in as being this national power and rightfully so for the most part. But this year they came in incredibly young. You know, they did have the big recruit Miles Bridges, but the rest of the team is, you know, there's not a ton of experience there. So right now when, you know, it can get off the rails quick when you start losing a few and everyone's down on you a little bit, you know, it can go wrong. And I think that's, that's how it's gone so far. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you. I mean, you know, you start out with being a really young team. Um, you know, we've even seen it with Kentucky a few of these years where they're just so young and so inexperienced that, it takes them a month or two to, to work out the kinks. Um, and I, I think you start with that and then you add in, oh, yeah, by the way, Miles Bridges, the one guy who has really carried the flag for you guys, is going to go out with injury. And, by the way, also, two of your starting big men are going to be out for the whole, the whole start of the season. Um, I, I think it's just – it puts you in a bad place. And, um, you know, I'm not going to count out Tom Izzo. I'm not going to count out Michigan State just yet. Um, but like I said, I'm going to keep harping on it the next couple of weeks, but Michigan state has to go five and one or better in its next six games. Um, at worst four and two, if they lose three of their next six, it's over. I'll call it the Michigan state season will be over. Um, as far as the NCAA tournament goes, but we'll see, we'll see how it goes. But, um, but yeah, so let, let, let's jump off of that. Um, that's our first segment. Let's get to our next segment here, which is, Kind of going from uh, the top, middle, and bottom of the Big Ten. Um, let's start with the top. Looks like three teams are kind of separating out, or at least that's the perception. And, and those teams are Wisconsin, Purdue, and Indiana. Um, Casey, is that how you see things at the top of the Big Ten? Um, and uh, so far, has, has any of those teams stood out to you from that group? Yeah, you had mentioned it earlier. Um, I'm big on Purdue right now. I always go by having who is the best player. You know, that's kind of the team I, I want to roll with. And Biggie Swanigan is just playing out of his mind right now. They got another uh, Isaac Haas, another big guy. They're a real strong team. Um, I don't know, like you said, if they can get a number one seed in the in the big dance, but out of the Big Ten, they're definitely a team I don't want to face if, uh, you know, I am a Kentucky or, or someone in, in the Final Four. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I I will start out with saying that I'm I'm absolutely uh, I'm with the consensus here. I think those three teams are the best um, in the Big Ten, and and I think it's by a pretty considerable margin, to be honest. Um, the only team that I think is kind of uh, a wild card here is Maryland, which I know sounds weird because I don't mm. think Maryland's that great. I've ranted about them a bunch on this podcast, but uh, I I think Maryland has a very manageable Big Ten slate. So I'd say keep an eye out for the Terps. But, um, but yeah, I, I think it's those three. And for me, the team I'm leaning towards of those three at the moment is Wisconsin. And the reason why is you – know, let me start by saying that I think all three are very close. I don't think there's any huge divide. Um, but I think Wisconsin, you know, they're so experienced. They have – every guy on their team has been there. They've been in big games. Um, and I think they're going to be really consistent – I think they're going to play well on the road. I think they've already proven that to an extent, you know, with that uh, Mark Marquette win. Um, what was that two week and a half ago or so? Um, 
I, I think they're going to do a good job about those games that are tricky. On, you know, for instance, uh, a Michigan on the road and Ohio State on the road and Illinois on the road where you should win them, but they're very losable games. Um, and I think yeah. Wisconsin's going to do a better job in those games than Indiana and Purdue. Um, and I, I think that will – I also think Wisconsin, which we'll see if this proves to be true still, but um, – Bo Ryan always had Wisconsin prep for Indiana. It was like Indiana's kryptonite. Um, and I'm, I'm still going to bank on that at the moment. I, I think they're going to have that uh, for Indiana, the great matchup against them. And I, I think generally speaking, they're a good matchup for Indiana as well. So I'm leaning Wisconsin, but as I mentioned, um, long story short, I think they're all close. It wouldn't shock me if any of them won the big 10 or if it, uh, if it was a split title or anything, but. But with that, let's jump into the middle section here. Um, you know, sort of, uh, I guess, the, the teams that are in the NCAA conversation at the moment. Um, Casey, do any of these teams stand out to you? Do any of them have any interesting things going on uh, that you are you want to talk about here? Well, the middle is big. <laughs> the only two teams I'm not really counting in right now are Penn State and Nebraska. The rest of it is a crapshoot. Like, if you were to put the Terps, Minnesota, on, and then Michigan on the top of the middle, I think it's completely possible that an Illinois or a Rutgers can go in and beat any three of those teams. So I feel like the middle is basically the entire conference. There's a couple big dogs at the top, and then Nebraska and Penn State at the bottom, and then the middle is, you know, uh, wide open doing the the power rankings each week, it's like fill in the first two or three, fill in the last two, and then, okay, let's break this down. There's, it's just so even in the middle of the conference. It's, it's, uh, it's good. It's, it's a good balance of power this year. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm with you. I mean, I, I think it's kind of madness uh, in, in that whole group as well. A um, couple of the teams I, I did want to hit on um the first, the first one being uh, Northwestern. I don't feel like mm. many people are talking about Northwestern. Um, it the could be their first. Oh, go ahead. Sorry. I was gonna say it could be their first ever uh, NCAA tournament this year. <laughs> I'm sure they love they love you reminding that, them of that. Um, <laughs> I, I think, uh, but they are quietly putting together a pretty good resume. Um, I tweeted out on Sunday that I was like, this is like a legit NCAA tournament resume. A bunch of people flipped out about it. But, you know, in terms of non-conference resumes, this is about what you want. Um, you know, they're 9-2 and two right now. They get two very winnable games this week um, at home, you know, two bye games, essentially. But they got a win over Dayton. They got a win over DePaul. They got a win over Wake Forest. And they got a win over Texas. And their only two losses are both away from home and they're to Butler and Notre Dame who are both really good teams this year. So I, I think it's, uh, it's pretty easy to see that they're putting together a, a pretty quality resume in my opinion. Um, but, uh, but yeah, so, so they're one of the teams I, I wanted to hit on, but Casey, it sounds like you got to go. So uh, I'll, I'll let you jump off, but any final thoughts here before I let you go? Yes. Uh, one thing the the, the scary week for Big Ten is coming up, but there's one outlier. I want everyone to watch the Rutgers Seton Hall game on Friday before Christmas. It's going to be uh, at 6:30 on FS1. It's going to be a really good game. 
and hopefully Rutgers can get a a, uh, a valuable win for for the program. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, definitely. That that should be an intriguing one. But uh, but Casey, thanks for joining us. Yes, uh, check out the the power, the power rankings on PT Powerhouse. I appreciate it, guys. <laughs> thanks, Bye-bye. man. Um, as a reminder, everyone, that w- that was Casey. He writes for our uh, uh, for BT Powerhouse. Does a lot of great work for us. Um, I want to say he's on the uh, the Rutgers beat right now. So obviously, uh, he's pretty hyped about about the Rutgers game on Friday. Um, but but moving moving on, you know, still in the middle in our middle section here. Um, the other team I I wanted to hit on for one second, uh, really quick, as far as the middle of the Big Ten goes, is Illinois. Um, really, I, I just wanted to highlight, you know, Illinois, you know, Thanksgiving Day, is, or I guess it was Black Friday. Um, they're sitting four and three. They're coming off a home loss to Winthrop and a neutral site uh, blowout loss to West Virginia and a loss to Florida State. So they're four and three. They haven't done anything. They haven't beaten anyone. Um, everyone is calling them dead, uh, starting to write the obituaries for John Gross. Suddenly, Illinois rips off five straight wins. They beat North Carolina State. They beat VCU. They beat Central Michigan. And they beat BYU last weekend. Um, Four, uh, really five decent wins here and three against top 100 competition um, really have gotten back on track. And and now they're sitting in a a really interesting section. Um, Not to continue promoting my own articles, but I wrote an article on uh, Illinois last weekend about how you know, quote unquote, the time is now for Illinois. And the reason I said that is because they have a bunch of 50-50 type type games coming up here on the schedule. They got to find a way to steal a couple of them. Um, you know, again, I, I hate to keep reciting Ken Palm, but Ken Palm has them projected at 18 and 13 here, which is not going to be good enough to make the tournament. I'll say that right now. Um, so they got to find a way to steal a couple here. You know, that Maryland road game, um, that Michigan um, game at home um, in a couple weeks, you know, those look like two opportunities where Illinois could steal wins. Um, and even the Michigan road game, I, I think that game's a lot more winnable than it looks on paper. So I, I think there are some games here in the next month or so where Illinois has got to find a way to win, but they do play Wednesday against Missouri. I think Illinois will come out on top of that. You know, the, the Tigers have been pretty mediocre all year. Um, they still haven't beaten an even halfway decent team. So I think Illinois will grab the win there, move to 10 and three entering conference play. And um, I'm interested to see, I, I think that Illinois Maryland game to open big 10 play is going to be a lot of fun. Uh, but, but yeah, so that, that's kind of the middle of the big 10, as Casey mentioned, it's, it's real tight. Um, and I, I don't think anyone necessarily has a huge uh, separation from anyone else, but hitting on the bottom briefly, um, the only, I, I did want to hit on two teams really quickly. Um, first is Nebraska. And I would say, uh, you know, the Cornhuskers have really fallen off a cliff here in the last week or two. Um, and really probably more like three weeks to be honest, uh, but i um, losing track of time here, but you know, it, it's been a really disappointing run for Nebraska. And I, I think we've hit the point where the grumbling has started about, um, Tim Miles, I think there's a lot of concern about where the program is heading. And I, I think it, frankly, is at least partially deserved. Um, you know, Nebraska comes into this season with kind of underwhelming expectations for 
what, second year, third year in a row here where fans are kind of um, mixed on the team. You know, they get off to a nice start. They have a nice win over Louisiana Tech. They beat Dayton on a neutral court. You know, everybody's excited. It looks like it's going to be the start of something special. And then Nebraska loses to UCLA. They lose to Virginia Tech. They lose to Clemson. They rebound against South Dakota. And then they've lost their last three against Creighton, which is a rivalry game, Kansas. And then the last one, which was really the, the gut punch, which was a home loss to Gardner-Webb on Sunday, um, really devastating to Nebraska's resume. They're sitting at five and six now after that hopeful 4-0 start. Um, you know, they get Southern this week before conference play. Um, I, I still like Tim Miles in Lincoln. I think he's a great coach, and I think he can take that program places. But, yeah, you know, he's going to have to show something this year. That's all I can say because, uh, you know, they're they're going to lose – some key players this off season and specifically Ty Webster, who's arguably been the team's best player so far. Um, and I, I think you do have to sit back and start to say, uh, you know, are, is this program heading in the right direction? Again, I like Tim miles. I think it is, but next year looks like it could be a really, really concerning year for the and pressure packed year for the program. If things don't get back on track. So, Disappointing start for Nebraska, but we'll we'll see how it uh, goes in the next couple of weeks. But the other thing from the bottom I wanted to touch on briefly was Rutgers, uh, as Casey mentioned. You know, first off, um, they get that Seton Hall matchup on Friday. This is going to be a really big one. That's a really big one for the program, just from the – I know they're not necessarily arch rivals or something, but there's a rivalry aspect there in that game. I think that'll be really telling about how far this program has come. And that's partially due to, you know, Rutgers sits at 11 and one. Um, a lot of people are feeling great about that. Certainly uh, Scarlet Knight fans, but they still haven't beat a top 150 team. They obviously still haven't beat a top 100 team. And I, I think um, this 11 and one record is undeniably a manufactured record. Um, I said it about Northwestern last year, and I will say it about Rutgers this year. This is a manufactured record. Now, the question mark is, has Rutgers improved over this month of play enough to where, you know, that record might have been manufactured, but now there's some real tangible improvement. Um, The advanced stats say they're, they're really improved over last year, but they still say they're, they're not necessarily a great team. Um, But you know, it, those, I'll, I'll just put it this way. Um, you know, if you are concerned about the schedule for Rutgers, which you should be, um, their schedule has been incredibly easy so far. Um, those will, will disappear over the next week or two because Rutgers is going on the road against Seton Hall this week, and they follow that up with a road trip to Madison to face Wisconsin. So those concerns will be over quickly. We'll find out exactly how good this team is. Um, and frankly, I, I think this team has improved a lot from last year, but I you know, think that's a pretty low standard, I guess, to put it nicely. And um, I, I think this team is going to be dangerous in conference record, but uh, I, I just don't see, uh, I, I don't see them being able to contend with the top teams in the Big Ten. But we'll see. You know, certainly that's Seton Hall. Hall matchup will be interesting, but um, finally uh, for our final segment here, I, I did want to touch on sort of some of the bigger stories here um, across Kyle, 
college basketball, excuse me. Um, and really, uh, you know, there's obviously just a ton going on. But one team I wanted to hit on for a second, UCLA, who has just been going nuts. Um, and this touches on a couple Big Ten teams here because UCLA has already beaten three Big Ten teams. They've beaten Nebraska, they beat Michigan, and they've beaten Ohio State. Um, UCLA is just playing out of their minds. I'm, I love watching them. Their offense is unbelievable, and their three-point shooting is fantastic. Um, it's just it's so fun to watch them, uh, to, put it, to put it in its simplest terms. Um, but I'm, I'm really intrigued. They, they open up on the road against Oregon um, to end the end of December uh, to start conference play. And I would just say to our, our listeners here, keep an eye on that game because if UCLA makes it through that game and beats Oregon, they have a legitimate chance to go into late February undefeated. Um, and, and the reason I say that is just because if, if you look, again, based on these Ken Palm pregame odds, which are always a debatable aspect, but after that Oregon game on December 28th, um, they do not have a game under 60% odds until February 25th. And their lowest one is a 62% odds when they go on the road to US, USC, you know, our rival USC. But every other game is above 70%. So really you're talking about one quasi game where they're still a significant favorite on the road um, before they get to their last couple games undefeated. So keep an eye on that, something to watch um, as far as the big college basketball world goes. But um, other than that, uh, as I mentioned, going to be a little bit of a shorter podcast this time, but uh but excited for the way Big Ten season's going. We're going to have another. We're going to have a huge podcast here before conference play. You know, kind of reevaluating everything with non-conference in the rearview mirror. But uh, I'm Thomas Bendit, and if you ever have any questions about Big Ten topics, we're doing our mailbag. Um, tweet at tbendit at bt powerhouse or email to tbendit at gmail.com. But thank you for listening to us. We look forward to uh, having you on next time and. I encourage everyone to check out btpowerhouse.com. A lot of great content here lately. And thanks again, and have a great week, guys.